Okay, let me talk about Blue Apron before we get going here. Uh, Blue Apron delivers fresh pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door. They can be cooked in under 45 minutes. Can I play the music as I talk about Blue Apron? Or no? Yeah, I can. Yeah. The menu changes every week based on what's in season and designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. What happens in my house is a box comes to my house and it has all the ingredients. They're all pre-portioned. There's a card that tells me how to make the stuff and then I make it. It's awesome. I don't have to make it right then. I can make it two days from then. I love Blue Apron. You know, you listen to the Bobbycast right now. If you go to blueapron.com slash bobbycast, you too can get 30 bucks off your first order. There's the pan-fried chicken breast with sweet and tangy zucchini. You can make that. The Italian-style shrimp and sweet peppers over fregola sort of pasta. You can make that. The Parmesan-crusted steaks with mashed... I feel like there's a big build-up to me for the food item here. Yeah! Or the quick bucatini! Yeah! Yeah, or... Listen, there's a lot. Just go look at it. Blueapron.com slash bobbycast. A great sponsor of the bobbycast as we get into part two of this. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Thank you for listening. I use it. I think it's really fantastic. So, as we're here, here we go. We are um, uh, the second part of this with Jillian and Jacqueline, and it was going so well the first time. I thought, let's just break it up into two. So, it's the first time I've ever done a part two with an artist. If you listen to this now, check out part one with Jillian, because some of this may not make sense if you don't hear part one. So, check that out. Uh, in part two, there's a whole story that coming up about a monk. I'll just leave it there. Where how she met a monk. And it changed her course of her life. And it's pretty wild. Let me recommend to you the Rhett Aikens episode and the Morgan Number 2 episode and the Bobby Cast as well. Jake Owen has a good podcast called Good Company with Jake Owen. The guys at Whiskey Riff have a very fan-oriented podcast called Whiskey Riff Raff. So check that out. And then a new one from Velvet's Edge, which is style, fashion. Uh, that starts April 4th. So All right, I don't know when you hear this, but thank you very much. Let's get into episode uh, part number two. Here we go. Thank you very much. This is episode one was, it, was last episode one eleven? Oh, we're episode one twelve. Holy cow! All right, Jillian, Jacqueline, here you go. <laughs> All right, back part two of the Jillian, Jacqueline, Bobby cast. You like the chairs? I, I really like them. It's sort of one of those chairs where you can't sit up. You have to sit you back. You have to relax. So you just kind of feel like you're doing like an awkward lean back, and your neck feels weird. But and then all of a sudden, you become so relaxed, you just. And Spill start it. like crying and talking about your mom. Yeah. P- people have cried in here before. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, let me say this because I, the last one we left off on was I got the weirdest text from Jillian before you got to my house. <laughs> because first of all, I said, hey, if you want to bring your fiance, bring them because I like them. Most of the time people that come do this, they may bring somebody if I don't oh, know okay. them very well. Um, so a lot of times they won't. Sometimes they won't. It just depends. Yeah. But I was like, hey, I like your fiance. If you guys are – just tell him to come over. I'm cool. Like, have him come hang out. Yeah. And you're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm coming alone. So I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then you said, yeah, but do you have any water? <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was like, you know, this is a newer model home. <laughs> you're like, we have an icebox. We, we have keep- <laughs> Or we keep yeah, it cool. that was just me being weird. But I just – I was really thirsty, and I didn't know if I should stop at a gas station for some water. We had water here. for her, right? Yeah. Like bottles yes, of water? Yes, right here. It's – you haven't even it's drank expensive any. smart water. Yeah, I did. I don't. I have to. I have to pee a lot. Usually, too much information. But no, so I no. didn't want to have to get up. I have a whole peeing thing where oh. I try to hydrate myself because we're always dehydrated. Always, as humans, so we're thirsty always all the time. dehydrated. Yeah, and if we don't, even if we don't feel it, we're still dehydrated. Right. But if you drink the right amount of water, you have to pee all the time, which yeah. then keeps you up at night, so you're I not know. getting the right sleep. It's just a mess. I know. On it's planes, God, God I try bless to... this mess, as you would say. <laughs> <laughs> that I just made on the floor because yes. I peed my pants. Yes. Yeah. What were you saying on trains? Is that what you were going to say? 
Maybe it's on a train. No, on planes. Oh, on planes. On planes, you know, you got to keep drinking water for your skin to stay hydrated, but then you have to get up. I am always the person on planes who's like, everyone's like, she's walking back there again, like constantly <laughs> just going back to go pee. So do you aisle it then if you have to pee all the time? Because if you don't aisle it and you're windowing it, you have to make people move. Yeah, I always try to aisle it. Well, the good thing with me and Brian, my fiance, we, we he travels with me because he plays guitar for me. So I always have a guaranteed like seat holder, and he is one of those people that he goes on the app for the um, airline like two days before to make sure he has the right seat. I'm not that kind of person, but he always makes sure he will never sit at the window. That would make him panic. So oh, I only sit at the window. What if you have to pee? And you gotta climb over. What if they fall asleep? That's my worst nightmare. Well, so that happens, and I will if I don't know the person, I won't. I'll just hold it. Oh wow, I'll, that's so I'll bad internally for you. injure myself. I know. <laughs> I will. But most of the time, I'm not. Mike D always travels with me because he produces the radio show on the road. Yeah. Or he did, really does everything. He does ten minutes of stand up before I go out. He'll sell merch. He does oh, everything. Nice. So he rides, and he can either will sit aisle, or he also knows if I don't want to sit by anyone. If so he just eliminates the sick person syndrome. Oh, nice. Because I always feel like somebody's going to sit next to me and they're sick. And I'm going to get sick. And yeah. I can't do the show. Yeah. So do you wear s- those little um, masks ever? I don't. Some, yes. If I I'm think they sick, scare people, so I don't want to wear one. <laughs> if I'm sick because I'm worried about other people. Yeah. Because I wish they would be worried about me, which they're not. No. Yeah. I'll cover my mouth. Yeah. When I was in Japan, everybody wore them. Everybody. And I said, this is the greatest culture ever. There's no <laughs> litter. People have on masks. Yeah. They're kind I was like an NBA player. I was walking around having to duck things. I was on the, and I had never been anywhere in my life. Like I grew up in Arkansas until I was twenty-seven. I'm on vacation, right? Never yeah, anywhere. Yeah. I went to Japan. I was like, what? It's a different world. I've never been there. My mom's been. She said it was very clean. She said what you said, and she said on like the public transportation, everyone sits like not. They don't touch each other. Like in New York City, they they don't get close, and they if they cough, you know, they'll cough very quiet. And they like, all wear masks. Yeah. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. And I'm tall. Yeah. You'd be or, you'd be average. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh well, so I went to Thailand after college for three months, and I was like a giant white. Wow! Just like you went to Thailand for three months. Yeah. Well, I went to Thailand and then Vietnam and Cambodia with my mom. She lives in Thailand, so I went with her. Right, like literally the day after I graduated college, I flew to Bangkok, and I lived there. I taught English at a what? school. Yeah. What is happening here? Yeah. Well, tell me about this. What's that? What's that experience like? Um, it's incredible. It was. Uh, I got restless after a while because I needed something to do. But I randomly met this monk when I was like at a temple walking around just In as a tourist. Thailand. Yeah, and I, I. <laughs> this is such a weird story, but you know the monks they wear orange robes, but um, they also carry cell phones like in their robes today. I don't, this was. I mean, how many years ago? Seven years ago. So anyway, I this monk came up to me and he was like, had this cell phone. He was talking to someone on the phone and he handed it to me. And this woman, I, he knew I was American, obviously. And so this woman was on the other end of the line and she was like, hello, do you speak English? And I said, yes. And she said, hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, he handed you the phone because he knows you can speak English. Um, wow. Our English teacher just uh, broke her leg. She like tripped on the street. Um, do you want to teach English at what? our school? I'm not kidding. And I was like, um, <laughs> sure. And I actually had wanted to get my teaching certificate to teach English. So I was like, the gods have like shined down on me. And I just did it. I taught these kids at this school at the temple for about a month. And I had no idea what I was doing. But I just kind of like. How did like, you talk to them? In- so 
I didn't speak Thai, so all they wanted me to do was read them English words. They wanted me to read to these kids in English and explain, like, you know, show a picture of a bug and say bug. Show a picture of a fork and say fork. Like, that kind of thing. They were, like, six and seven years old. So a monk with a cell phone got yes. you a job teaching English <laughs> in Thailand. Yes. Is that the greatest story you've ever heard on the podcast? Wow. Well, but this is the point of the story is he knew I was American because I, I was massive compared to all these tiny Thai people. And I was, like, sweating all the time because I wasn't used to the heat and... You know, I, yeah, I just like stood out like a sore thumb. So I did that. And then, um, you know, we went to Vietnam and Cambodia and just kind of explored. And then I honestly, I had one of my crying on the bathroom floor moments there. And I was like, what am I doing? I have to go back to start my life because I just graduated and I really wanted to get to Nashville. So I, I left and flew back and then I was at my dad's house for like a couple weeks. And then he flew me down to Nashville with I had like one bag and my sisters already lived here. They were signed to Sony. Bobby's shaming me. No. My mouth noises. No, I'm just That's just you... how I clear my throat. Like, cool, cool, cool. I no, can't I have all, to go. Before the podcast, I said, Hey, you're popping a bit. Like and so when you did it the first time, I just wanted you to like, know. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I'm very conscious of it now. Okay, okay, um so anyway, my sisters were already living in Nashville, signed to Sony as the Luna Bells, and so I moved in with them. Uh, I like slept on a futon in my sister's room for all a while. All older? Sisters all older? No, two older and one younger. So they were a band? Yeah. All of them without you? Um, we grew up in a family band, the four of us. Now, I knew you did that. I knew there was a group, a sister dynamic. What do you call like the Little Women or something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But wait, how did you get disconnected from them though? When I was 16 and when our parents... Around the time that our parents were getting divorced, it took a couple of years, I decided to leave the band. I wanted to go back to high school for two years, and I wanted to do my own thing creatively as an artist. So I was working with my own producer and um, going to high school, and yeah, I just kind of exited the, the family wow. group. You left the group I of sisters. Group. Yeah, and then they moved to Nashville without me. And, and they got a deal? Are you like, what was I thinking? Yeah, for a minute, I was pretty like, wow. Would they have let you back in? I don't think so. No. My and older sister took over have. lead singing, and so I... Oh, you were the lead singer and you yeah. left the band? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. yeah, but it's all... It's, it, it worked out the way it should Wait, what are they doing now? Um, they're in New York City and L.A., and one of them is a mom. Are they being creative? Yeah, oh my gosh. My youngest sister, Gabby, is an incredible artist. She just randomly started painting, and she's incredible. I'm not kidding. Like, she has an Instagram. It's Gabriella Lucia. Well, hold on. Say that because I want people to go to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Gabriella Lucia Gabriella? Arts. Gabriella, with one L. Okay, it's Gabriella Lucia, L-U-C-I-A. And I think it's Gabriella Lucia Arts. Okay. That's her Instagram. She's so great. She's She's so good. She was the drummer, and she's a really good drummer. And honestly, when I can I want to bring her on the road with me I want her to be my drummer that's cool yeah that would be really cool uh but right now she's in New York City and she loves it there and then my other sister Dominique is in LA she actually dates Sean Watkins from Nickel Creek and they tour together she plays piano they make records and they're happy and in love and they have chickens in Silver Lake they're very LA that's cool yeah wow look at you you leave the sister band where you're the lead singer what balls yeah, yeah, it Cause, was cause you're risking rough time. Your relationship with them, I mean, they gotta be pissed. They were pissed, yeah, and my mom was pretty upset too. 
because she had sort of been our manager for most of our childhood and she didn't want us to be broken up. But it started happening more so when I was young because I was working with Kenny Rogers and his management company only wanted to sign me when I was 13. Because you were the singer? Yeah, because I was the singer and, and, and uh, you know, I had started sort of the whole thing. So that sort of became an issue because I was getting opportunities on my own without them and I kind of liked that. But they were still good enough without you to get a record deal? They were great. You guys must have been phenomenal. <laughs> you pull out the lead singer and the group assistant well, still Well, we're gets- all very driven, passionate people. Nothing was going to stop them. And they were very talented. They are very talented. So, And they wanted it, you know. So. Wow. So you come... First of all, where were you born? Chester Springs, Pennsylvania. Okay. So what's Chester Springs, Pennsylvania like? It's a boring suburb uh, outside of Philadelphia. It's got a couple high schools. It's like... It kind of looks like Franklin, Tennessee, when you drive out to it. So how did you get into country music? My mom is from Charleston, South Carolina, and she just only ever listened to country. And so from the time I was a baby, I mean, we only listened to country. Patsy Cline was the first thing I heard. And then, you know, all the 90s country. I really didn't grow up with the super traditional, like, I didn't listen to a lot of Waylon Jennings or Merle Haggard or Johnny Cash. I got into that stuff later. It was more so 90s, like whatever was on the radio, on like the popular country radio station. So, you know, Trisha Yearwood and Patti Loveless, and um, I I was a huge fan of just, you know, all of them. I mean, Garth Brooks, Trace Adkins, whatever, Dwight Yoakam, you know. So you go and you're playing music with your sisters. Mm -hmm. You're being schooled, I'm assuming, on the road. Homeschooled, yeah. Yeah, but out. I mean, homeschooled feels like you're in the, only in the house, but you're traveling and you're learning, right? <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. We did a lot you? of road tripping. We actually had laptops, and there was a curriculum on the laptop that uh, we would all learn from. Have a drink of water. I see you pulled it up. Have a drink. Thank you. Yeah, so much. Yeah, no, we were all sort of taught to gravitate towards the things that we really enjoyed. I mean, we had to obviously do all the subjects, but like I loved history and language arts, and I wanted to write and read books all day, so that's what I did most of the time. You think about writing a book? Yes, I have. I want to. Yeah? Yeah. I will eventually, at some point, will hole up somewhere and start writing everything down because my childhood was was pretty insane. It oh, was, so you want to write a nonfiction? Oh, yeah. I want to write, like, my the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, maybe not, like, for anyone else to read, but I just want to write well, yeah, it. yeah, you want people to read I it. I want to process it, though. I was talking about this with Brian the other day. Brian Sorry, is, my fiancé. Right. And I was saying how I read books when I was younger, these autobiographical books by incredible authors, and they would describe to me their lives of what, when they were kids and their parents, and they would do it with such reality that I would relate my own life to them. And, and it would make me think about my parents the way they thought about theirs. And so I think there's like power to sort of telling your story because it encourages other people to think about theirs that way too. I think you bring up a good point. It's something I didn't learn until I actually wrote a book. And I never planned to write a book, like a, an, a book that adults would read. I wanted to write a kid's book. And I put out a kid's record, and the record was actually pretty good for a kid's record. I thought it was – and it sold well, and Cracker Barrel bought it, and they just sold it at Cracker Barrel. Like it, was, yeah. it, was, it was a good enough kid's record to like matter. And I said, okay, like uh, I want to provide an influence for children because I didn't have many positive influences. Mm. And so I started shopping this kid's book idea. Nobody wants it. Nobody mm. knows who I am. They're not supposed to. Man, I'm going to New York and LA offices. They don't know anything about country music. They don't know anything about my radio show. Nor should they, but nope, 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 over and over. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, man. So ninth or tenth no, 
I'm in an office and they say, hey, the idea, the kids' book idea, there's, there's a lot of kids' books and they're expensive because you have to hire an illustrator. And oh, yeah. I said, but your life story, we were Wikipediaing you. Tell us about your life story. I said, okay, here's what happened. T- I tell my story. I said, would you write a book about that? And I thought, mm, I'll try, but I don't think anybody can relate. Huh. And I don't think anyone wants to hear my story because who cares? That's what I really what I thought. Really? Like, who's going to care what I have to say? And so I write this book, and I'm miserable the whole time. <laughs> Just reliving it all? Not, no. I tell oh. you, that to me, because I'm reliving it sucks, but I, you know, I go to a therapist for that, and sometimes I just hide it and stuff it in a hole, and it doesn't yeah. come out. But I just felt embarrassed because I thought, here's this book that I put a lot of me into that nobody's going to care about because no one's going to understand, so no one's going to hmm. read it. But I would go out to shows, and listeners would go, well, hey, you know what it really resonated? And it was one of the small details that I thought no one would ever even huh. – it has to be like with music when you put a song out. Yes. And someone goes, oh, that song. Like it, yeah. This is how it relates. And that's what happened to me with my book. Completely. Did I, ne- I just thought it was the most uninteresting, self-indulgent at times. Yeah. P- piece of garbage. Huh. But it was it's honest. Interesting. And I, I felt that way. Oh, writing I was it. horribly embarrassed. Well, you're so right, though. Like, I don't think we all realize how alike we are in in our stories. You know, I think when we all really start looking at like the intricacies of our lives, we all have really weird shit going on. And we don't Everyone. talk about it. We enough, don't talk about so it. So it seems weird. Yes. Which is, and again, but it's not. It's normal for all of us. If we were honest, you know. It that this, my second book. It's really about that. It's about how we don't talk about all the crappy stuff we go through, the failures, because it's not cool to share it. Yeah. So then it, we feel like we're doing it alone. Totally. Yeah. I talked to Lori McKenna about this because, you know, I've always looked at her songs as these like microscopes on life and on marriage and family. And she puts in all the details, like the color of the dress and the the water coming from the kitchen sink and the where where the sun was and whatever the dirt on the floor. And it's so specific. That's why it resonates, because she's actually painting the picture for you and you can see yourself in that story. And, um, you know, I think sometimes what frustrates me about popular music is the lack of color, the lack of truth. Like, I want to know what you were doing in that moment, you know, not just what, like, anyone can relate to. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying, I'm pulling this over into songwriting. No, but, I, I, but for I, me... That's why you're here. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's like, I, you know, that's what I'm always trying to figure out how to do better in songs is to, like tell people something that no one else could tell them except me but that they will understand you know that's feels hard to do yeah and I think that's why few people can do it at such, such a high level yeah that's why Lori's fantastic at what she does mm-hmm. you know you, you hear humble and kind Lori that's uh, girl I mean listen just google Lori McKenna and you'll see all the big songs she's written but I, I think the simplicity yet the depth of humble and kind mm-hmm. if you can nail them both yeah. And she did in that song. She did. She's one of the few that her natural instincts have turned into hit songs like that. She writes them all by herself. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, she, that's that's rare because that's just what she does, like, as an artist herself. But when Tim McGraw sings it, it actually works, too. So, you know, that's an incredible accomplishment. I'm still learning from her all the time. Should I do a commercial? The IRS released their annual Dirty Dozen list of tax scams and phone scams, top the list. In the most common scam, callers pose as IRS representatives. They tell taxpayers they owe money and they have to pay promptly or be punished so people do and then... 
They're out money. Their identities are stolen. So many threats today in the connected world. It takes one weak link, and all of a sudden, boom, somebody's in. So new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. If you have a problem, their agents will work to fix it. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor transactions at all businesses. But new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover threats you might otherwise miss. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code BONES for an additional 10% off your first year. That's the promo code BONES. Life, I use LifeLock, by the way. I do. I use it. I love it. That's the co- promo code BONES. LifeLock.com, promo code BONES for an additional 10% off. We played this song here. We've got all our reasons. This is Reasons. This is the one that's making its big play up the radio chart right now. So how'd you guys decide on this song? You, have, you know, here you go. You have this whole packet of songs. Yeah. Because you didn't just make one and go, this is the one. You had a whole handful of songs. This was the song I was most excited about. Honestly, this song felt really brave and bold, and production-wise, it really excited me. I, I felt like Topher and I kind of did something that we hadn't done before, and it felt like really new. Um, it felt like me. Let me listen. Let me listen. Yeah. Same sink. Like I haven't heard it 10,000 times. I don't want to be a quitter. Don't want to have to answer when everybody asks me why. Giving up. What do you think hearing this song now for the 10,000th time? Like, what's going through your head right then? It can be maybe you just want to get out of here, but what's going through your head? <laughs> uh, it feels weird that that, like, that actually happened to me. What happened to you? Um,. That after being with someone for that long, like, it completely just, like, fell apart, and then I wrote songs about it. I've never been that person. So, when I, like, really started writing songs in Nashville, I was dating that person. So, and I was writing pretty, um, songs that had nothing to do with love. I actually was, like, adamantly, I don't want to write about relationships. I, I have other things to say. I put out an entire EP that was not about love or relationships at all. I was like, I'm bored. I don't want, I don't want to be a female talking about that stuff. So I avoided it at all costs. And also, I, I don't know how to say this, but I really didn't have the inspiration to write love songs in the relationship that I was in. And that sounds harsh, but it's kind of true. I just, I wasn't there in my heart. So now hearing this back and realizing that I literally, that happened and that happening to me became the the moment that my entire perspective as a songwriter shifted. It was almost like it had to happen. It had to happen for me to get to where I am now uh, because, I mean, those songs wouldn't exist, obviously, and that level of transparency in me as an artist wouldn't exist. I mean, I put my story into these songs, and he was a real person. He is a real person. You know, we had a real life together, and so now... It's sad, I guess, but it also feels weird that like all these wonderful things have happened in my career because of that honesty. Do you feel that your pain has has been what's been the catapult of your creativity, so therefore you must suffer more pain to create more? Are you one of those? Well, I agree with the first half. I'm still struggling with the second half of what you said of I need to suffer more. I think I believed that for a long time. I think part of me still feels like art is suffering and um, life isn't supposed to be happy. You know, I think life is supposed to be interesting. Um, There's supposed to be happy moments, but I think I've always sort of found this beauty in like the very dark stuff. And 
I'm trying to figure out if if I know how to be an artist without without the uh, the heavy stuff, you know. I'm a big believer that pain is the only reason that I'm able to do anything creative. And it's a bad yeah. place, and I'm told I have to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, I probably do too. But again, Adele is Adele for a reason. I mean, we love listening to her sing about her heartbreak because it feels so raw and real when she does it. So I, I've argued that for a long time, that all of the greatest people in the world were so tortured. I mean, the greatest of anything that they could do. The artists, you know, the painters, the singers, the writers were... I mean, alcoholics and just completely miserable for most of their existence. Why? Maybe because that level of suffering allows you to tap into, like, the most real form of being a human. I have this argument with one of my friends all the time that I think to be truly different and creative, something has to be off about you or you're not able to produce something that's off. What do your friends say? No, no, no. He's, he says, no, man, you can just be really good at something. I say, yeah, but there's a difference. Yeah. I think in order to produce something that's off, you have to kind of be off. <laughs> Someone from a well-adjusted, with no sign of mental illness, because I think I have a bit of that. <laughs> like, I really do. And, and I don't say there's a stigma, because I... I Wait, what I, do you mean? I think that you have to, to produce something that's different, you have to be different. And something has to be affecting that different. It could be how you're growing yeah. up. It could be something chemically. It could be something you put in yourself with chemicals. But I think that to put out different, you have to be different. Yeah, I would agree. And with he that. just doesn't agree. No, 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 a lot of well-adjusted, uh, you know. Um, yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think that people, people that have something a little bit off or unique, or they just seem sort of like hell bent to make their life really difficult, those are the people that are crazy enough to really sit in like the shit of life. Like they will sit there and they will think about it and they will write about it and they will cry about it and they will feel it. Or they'll like do something to numb how much they feel it. But it has to be an extreme one way or the other. Yeah, I think it's hard to produce something different if you're not different. Yeah. And I think that it's hard to actually talk about the, the difficulties without having been in them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, if I go, let's say I'm getting married. I'm not going to go to a priest that's never been married. And I have this problem with therapists. If you, they haven't been through some real mm. garbage times, how are they going to understand what I've been through? Now, I don't think I've been through the worst, but I need someone that can at least understand. Yeah. Wait, so do you like vet them? Oh, absolutely. You I sit did. down and you're like, so what, what's your childhood like? You can laugh, but that's exactly what really? I do. Yeah, and they don't want to share a lot of times, but that's okay. I can fill them out because I, I need to know how they grew up. Because oh how are they going to understand me? Huh. If they don't understand what I've come from, again... Not the best, not the worst. So you don't think like a healthy objective viewpoint is necessary? I, don't, I think healthy is relative. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I think healthy is completely relative. And yeah. I don't think anyone really has a healthy viewpoint. Now, objective, yes. And that's why I go. But yeah. I don't think anyone's healthy. I don't think that yeah. exists. Well, I think a good therapist should be able to tell you about their stuff. Like I think they should divulge and My not make you feel so alone. So with me now, I'm, I have a guy. I'm, I'm not, I can't stay with a guy and he's fantastic. I just I grew up with a mom. Then I was adopted by my grandma for a bit, and my mom left. And yeah. my mom, uh, my grandma had me, and then had a bunch of sisters. So only I'm comfortable with women. Women, yeah. So to talk to a dude is so uncomfortable for me, and it's not fair to him. Oh. But if I can't feel like in a safe spot, 
I, I can't so you're do leaving it. him. Yeah. Oh. I know. Are you gonna have the I'm breakup a, conversation? I'm a sexist. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I know, but I don't. I just don't feel comfortable. It, it's, and I have trouble anyway connecting. Yeah. Well, I lied in my song last night. The song I played, um, tragic. You know, it says uh, found a cheap therapist. I haven't. I don't. I I went to someone like two times, and she's awesome, but. I have yet to find like an actual therapist that you I won't, feel though until you spend five times with them. Yeah. You just didn't go enough. Yeah. You just, I mean, really? It, well, I'm the kind of person I walk in there and I'm like, okay, be on your best behavior. Just say all the right things. Like I try like to win dating, them though. over. Like yeah, that's so counterproductive to what's happening here. <laughs> it's like dating or a reality show. Meaning yeah. eventually the cameras are just there. At first you're like, Ooh, the camera's there. We got to be act a certain way. Yeah. Then eventually you're just on the real world. And the cameras are there, and it's just a part of life. Yeah. I've found that if I don't invest time in dating them, yep. how am I going to marry them? So I have to date. And it's, it's, this is the What's most, the longest relationship you've had with a therapist? Uh, probably four years. That's a good time. And I moved from Austin, oh. and I still would FaceTime. Yeah. And then it was just like a long-distance relationship. It fades. <laughs> and then I just I – so, you know, I, I – You needed the physical I, contact. I needed to be held accountable. <laughs> And yeah. on FaceTime, you're not held accountable. And this oh, other guy yeah. I went to was younger. He's like 30 or you're something. Like, what do you He's know? a few years younger. Than, yeah, I was like, what are you <laughs> talking about? You're younger than I am. Yeah. I, I, I felt like going, hey, dude, I'll call the shots here. Yeah. I'm a few years older than yeah. you. This session is over. Well, I kind of always feel like I have the worst, darkest thoughts that I could tell no one. And I don't, I don't want to be sitting across from this person thinking, oh, my God, if they knew that what I've thought like that would be horrible like I I need to be with someone that can get in the trenches with me which you, they need to understand which is back to my point yeah you don't want someone that has never been in the trenches to get in the trenches with right. you right no I agree yeah that's true yeah but, but uh, you know I don't listen I don't know you're meant I have to go to someone sometimes just to no I should probably be going regularly no, no, no. with the way my life is right now there's a lot of things changing and happening and you know, I'm one of those people where I will go until I break, like until I like have to be in bed for a full day because I can't function. Like I will do that just because. Have you done the Enneagram? No, but everybody talks about it, right? Every, well, like, you're they, definitely a three. So they, okay, well, so I'm a three. Anyway, I so what's I, a three? What are we then? We are the achiever, but I'm pretty sure you're a three. But like the three is so good at when everything's busy and there's chaos and lots going on. We are like yes, oh, like that's my, that's my coasting, my so place. happy, functional, yes. But the minute that something changes from that, we panic and we like spiral so fast, and we just crave like busy, 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 always busy. And so to actually have to look ourselves in the mirror and like think about ourselves and our lives is so painful. Like I can't meditate to save my life. I have tried and tried. It's so hard for me. Yeah. I, I just mean, end up turning TV land back on. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, screw it. Turn mom or friends back on. Because <laughs> yeah. what am I, I I've tried. It's really hard. I had a terrible PTSD. I've been robbed and jumped a few times. And so. Here? Just in different places, okay. like with work, people have put guns to my head. And, you know, just, oh man, I've had some crazy That's experiences, scary. and it really effed me up. Yeah, I've never had that, and so I couldn't sleep for years. Wow, and I, I got addicted to sleeping pills because it's the only way I was sleeping. Oh my gosh! And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna meditate. I'm gonna turn everything off. I'm gonna sit like Buddha does. <laughs> And I try. I like. I swear to God, I tried. Yeah. I tried as hard as Valiant I could. Valiant effort. And I would go. 
okay, and I would try to find my place and just center on it. And then all of a sudden, well, it's 6.15 tomorrow. i got to do this. And I, okay, uh, stop it. And I would go, stop, 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 stop. Push <laughs> everything back away. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, what are my, what are my friends, what are my dogs up to? I wonder what Twitter, <laughs> I, just, I couldn't focus. I know. I, I feel you. I'm the same way. I don't know what it's going to take, but someday I will crack that meditation I just code. don't think you are because. Oh, thank let, you for the vote No, no. I'm going to tell you why because we're both threes on the idiot, idiot scam. Whatever it's called. What's it called? Ah, the, the idiot scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. No, I say that too, but you've already shown with your lack of commitment to a therapist <laughs> that you crave oh, chaos. Man. You're like me. You chase chaos. I do sort of believe that if I get like healthy, like whatever healthy is, I won't no, have, thing. yeah, I like won't know who I am anymore. This is what I just asked you. Do you have to be in a bad place? And that doesn't mean relationship. But you're answering all the questions like five paragraphs later. I can't help it. I'm a rambler. No, no. It's not a bad thing. I'm not thing. a professional radio talk show host. You're talking yourself into answers. You oh, just said <laughs> way later that you need this crap. And what, if you don't yeah. have it, yes. you'd have to go find it. So what you just said, like the way you just described how I answer things is the way I live my life. I think I have it all figured out, but I'm going through it. And then years later, it's like late bloomer times a thousand. I'm like, oh, oh, I get it now. Okay. That's embarrassing that that took me that long. Like I don't, my processing uh, is it's very meandering, uh, but it, you know, I get there eventually. <laughs> Isn't that all that matters? Yeah. That you get there eventually. Uh, <laughs> do I need to do a commercial or anything? Quick. No? I'm good? Okay. All right, sorry. This, this is Bleacher. This one feels a bit different than the rest of the record. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Than the rest of the EP. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the rest it. of the EP. The, the body of music. Yeah. And maybe just because it feels super happy. Yeah. This is probably maybe like a alter ego song but that part of me exists you know I, I have that and there are a lot of songs coming on the rest of the, the album that feel like that uh, you know because there's songs like Holier Than Thou too that sort of have a sense of humor but um, yeah that's, that's part of me there's a lot I mean oh, I, I've always argued I this about artists because it wasn't a bad thing I was just no, yeah. making an observation oh, yeah. and when I listen to the record it's like because I love sad music me too I, it's all I listen to if I'm picking the music, it's all sad music. So I think that's why I also was like down with your sound. Yeah. I was like, this is it. I love it. And then Bleachers comes on. And I'm like, <laughs> next. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think it's a great song. Thanks. But I, I, it was just different than the rest. Yeah. Like sonically, tempo yeah. is different. We had fun with it. Yeah. Kind of got funky. No, I like it. I, you made me feel like I said it. I never said anything about it. I don't know how to, whatever. It's, yeah. I'm glad you like it. I do like it. I, I do. I do. I would. Yeah. Even no, that song it. is is sort of um, one of those. You anthems. play that live. We do. Yeah, we play it live with the full band. We really can't do it like any other way. Maybe that's why, because I haven't heard you play it. Yeah, we can't do it with just guitar guitars. We need rhythm. So. Don't we all? <laughs> don't we all need rhythm? Speaking of, I don't have any. But. No. Somehow I make it. Through. Can't dance at all. Nope. It's weird. You know, there, there have been only a few. Like what dancing is considered in society, I can't do. You don't have rhythm. I do my so own. You form. can dance. Yeah. Do you dance in public? Yeah. Will you? If okay. I've had like a few. But that's all that matters. Like yeah. really, at this point in our lives, who cares? Yeah, we'll dance in public. So you'll dance. Oh yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, I used to be really good at dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, what do you mean? I have decent rhythm. Like uh, hip hop moves, or I mean, aren't they all the ballroom? same? You just, no, I don't have a ballroom. Walls. I did take country line dancing to meet girls. 
And then it was all, I was. What kind of girls? First of all, I was 21 years old, right? <laughs> Second of all, I thought it would be, a, it was a college class. I was in college. Oh, wow. And then it turns out they were all non-traditional students that came back. So they were all like 40-year-olds that would come. I didn't meet any girls. It was all moms. <laughs> so I line danced with, with, yeah, I was not a, but I, I got an A. I was good. It was good. I, you got an A. I That's got an A. A for effort. That's awesome. Yeah, but I, I, I'll dance a little bit. But I grew up. I went to, yeah, yeah, I went to school. We danced a lot. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the hip thing. Like, you know when people can do stuff with their hips? I can't do that. I, I, I've lost a bit of it. I lost half step. But yeah. I think if I got back into it, I'd be pretty good. Yeah, I should probably take some like salsa lessons or something. But you won't. You'll go once and be like, nah, I'm good. Probably. I, I, I'm that good sounds like something I would do. Yeah, you got me figured out. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. going to go to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> what about this? If I played this song here. I'm so Singing. Is this a game? Should I listen if I figure it out? Yeah. Do you know who it is, Mike? You do? Someone like you. There's one move in there that's so signature, like, of that person, I feel like. Okay, look, hold on, hold on, let me do this again. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Overdue. I'm so overdue for a little bit too good to be I mean, if I, it's hard to hear it with you, but it sounds like Vince Gill. It is Vince oh, Gill. Is? Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, how, so what's up with that song? Yeah, so that was the first song I released as an artist after moving to Nashville. And this was, like, at the beginning of, like, Spotify and everything. So I just randomly put it out and didn't have any I didn't have publishing I didn't have anything and I just I wrote it with Topher and I was working with Richard Marks at the time like Richard Marks the 80s singer yeah huh. yeah he was doing some stuff here in town and so I was introduced to him through a mutual friend and he heard me and I guess he was looking for a project to produce and so he was like hey do you want to do something so we did five songs that was one of them and the intent was to like pitch to labels and get me a record deal, which never happened. But um, he was friends with Vince, and so he asked Vince if he would sing background vocals on it, and Vince said yes. And then we got to write together, and that was amazing. Uh, yeah, but that song is just really special to me because, I mean, obviously Vince is on it, but that song was very true at the time. And, um, you know, I really, I have to say, I appreciate about that song that we were talking earlier about the pain with my breakup inspiring all these songs on side A, that song right there proved to me that the narrative, you know, already existed before all that happened. Like, because that song feels like me still. Like, if I play it at a show. Like, really? And people ask me to play it. Yeah. And you're not too cool to play it? No. That's of course cool. not. No. That's cool. Yeah. So, huh. I did want to bring this up. By the way, Stream Jillian's music, download her music, go to a show. You're out with, uh, you're, you have a cool tour, huh, this year? Yeah. Well, next like, weekend we go out with Thomas Rhett. For oh, the first that's time. why. Yeah. And then we do the Brett Eldridge tour with Devin Dawson, which is like going to be my first actual tour, like night after night playing cities and with my band. So I'm very, very excited. That's cool. Yeah. I'm so, especially with, with Thomas Rhett. Like, he's notoriously good to his opening acts. Really? Like, super, yeah. That's awesome. He's a good dude, though. And I feel like he's a good dude. We good haven't dude. met yet. But. Yeah, because I, I know you a bit, and I yeah. know him. 
you, he's a good dude. That's awesome. And in this town's not full of bad people, but some people, everybody's just so worried about themselves. Yeah. That he's he takes care of others. That's really cool. Yeah, he's a good one. Yeah. He seems like he's uh, been able to keep his perspective um, on on everything, on his life, on his family, everything, even as his career is kind of just blown up. Like, he seems like a really down-to-earth, awesome guy. You know what's funny? Last night we were doing the show. You were playing, and I was hosting it. And you said, hey, I want to show you my engagement video. And do you remember the first thing I said back to you was? Nope. I said, how long is it? Oh, <laughs> Yeah. No, and you looked at me. You kind of had like a. It shouldn't matter how long. Yeah. I just watched my stupid video. Yeah. But I like to explain why I said that. Okay. Because I haven't I haven't shaken this because I saw like a grimace on your face that you, that I even asked I should oh, just I, have watched the video. No, I that wasn't like I didn't take that personally. I thought it was funny. Well, have you ever? I was just being honest too. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever had someone go, "Hey, you should check this out," and they show and it's like they're like, "Hey, look at this YouTube." It's like seven minutes long, yes. and then and you it's have like to sit there loading. for seven minutes. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to ask ahead of time because I was going to be completely honest to go. If it's like three and a half minutes, I'm probably going to check out minute one through two fifty. Hey, I appreciate that. I mean, I still would have tried to make you watch, and it, I would have watched it, but yeah. I wanted you to know ahead of time that I'm probably going to be wandering. Yeah, in my head. But it wasn't. It was really beautiful. It was You're, short. It was like 13 seconds. It was the best length I've I ever seen of a video. I cut out all the kissing parts. Yeah, it was the favorite vid- length I've ever seen of a video in all lengths of video. <laughs> so it was you and your fiance, and you were in Paris mm-hmm. in front of the Eiffel Tower. And what did he say to you? He said, just look at the camera. Yeah, he said we should take a video for our family back home of when the Eiffel Tower sparkles because it sparkles on the hour, every hour. And it was almost 1 a.m. And so we walked up there, and he's like, all right, get your phone out, and we'll take a video. I was like, all right, cool. So we're standing there. The Eiffel Tower is behind us. And mid-video, you know, we're kissing and talking, whatever. And then he pulled out the ring, you know, from the left side. And so he sort of brings the ring up into the frame of the video. So I'm watching us on the video screen. And it takes me a second to focus my eyes onto the actual real-life ring. And then I go through about six different facial expressions before I just started crying. But it was really awesome. It was really great because it's genuine confusion, (laughs) happiness. And just like boom, boom, boom. Again, the perfect length yeah. of expressions. Like, I really enjoyed <laughs> but it. Seconds. But that did hang with me because I thought, oh. At this point, you and I have had conversations where I'm like, oh, sometimes people think I'm a dick because I'm just very matter-of-fact. Like, yeah. Hi. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. I hope it's cool. If not, that's cool too. But let's let's move on with our lives, right. good or bad. Yeah. But I, I felt, I was like, oh, maybe I should have, before she asked me, just taken the video. Ten minutes and just, <laughs> so, just watch it all. It's okay. Okay, because that hung good. with me a little bit. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't even think about it. Good, 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 yeah. good. Um, how long is this one? 40 minutes. Okay, we'll, we'll kind of call it here. But check out Side A from Jelly and Jacqueline with such songs. And just Side A now. These podcasts live forever. Next year, you could be a huge star, and you're on Side F oh, at this point. yeah. You know what I mean? I hope I didn't say anything I shouldn't have said. Probably. You'll get home and go, man, that hour and a half, I said so many things. Has anybody called you and been like, can you please not put that part in? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. So I won't do that. <laughs> well, it goes up. I quick. Ooh. Yeah, so. Eee. But also, if you said something. I didn't. Defamatory. Yeah, I don't think I did. I'd say, let's, let's probably beep that. Yeah. So anyway. You've got reasons. reasons. Let me just play some of these here. Ooh, what a good one. Or, or my favorite, hate me. I relate to that song. I talked it out and realized why I like that song so much yes, in the last did. podcast. Yeah. yeah, God bless this mess. Oh, uh, sugar and salt—that's a jam too. Oh, okay. yeah. I love this. 
Most of the time, the artist sings with them, and it's kind of cool. But I, oh, I, I like to sing. No, no, I no. I like to sing with them because I really like the song. Yeah. Somebody. Oh yeah, this isn't on side A. I know, but I'm just playing songs again. Oh, okay, also yeah. Without me from the Little Women. Wait, go. I was. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I had that ready. Oh my god! That no, please don't play that again. Are you kidding me? Where did you find what do you, that? What, what do you mean? Let's listen. Oh, no. no, turn that shit off. No. Oh my god! Why don't you like that? Where did you find that? Oh man, that is like massive internet? levels of embarrassment. Um, I was probably like 13 years old when that song was written and recorded. Then why are you? I don't know. I didn't know what you were gonna do. Wait, can I see? Like, what is? Where did you even get that? Don't worry about how we wow, do things. Wow, you guys, that is impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you find a uh, room to grow? Don't worry about what we found. Hey, Lee. ooh, there's some dark stuff in there. I actually just found out that that <laughs> my. <laughs> That um that album is out on Spotify somewhere. The Little Women Band exists, and I don't know. None of us put it up, so I don't know who put it up. But I think it's just embarrassing because um, I those songs are like we were thirteen and had no idea what we were singing about, and we just. But that's okay. What are those lyrics? Without me, you'll see. Without me, you'll see. What did you love for? Without me, you'll have no on her head in shame. This is awesome. That's my favorite of all your songs. Does that still sound like me? No. It's like a kid. It's like a bunch of kids. It kind of sounds like a choir. Yeah, it does sound like a choir. It's like a bunch of kids. this? That's horrible. You produced this? No, I said who. Oh. Topher when hey, he was Hey, that was 13. embarrassing. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So, side A, and then there's the other songs. I was just setting you up for that final. Thank you. But wow, no. that was blast from the past that I didn't want. Um... Topher, your producer, and I talked about doing some hip hop stuff together. He wanted to say hi. I don't. I can't believe you guys haven't met yet. We never. No, he came on the studio, but we didn't really. He played with you in the studio, right? No, that was Brian. No, no I thought you had two players. No. Maybe I've just seen him on TV with you and go. Yeah, like he when played you played on Good Morning Seth America. Myers. Is that what it was? Seth Myers. Yeah, he played on there. Okay. He always comes to just the fun stuff. Okay, that's where I've seen him. Then. Yeah, and he I'm was like, on TV with us. But you guys texted, have to meet. We've texted a bunch of times. He is one of the greatest humans on the planet. I'm very lucky. I do like great humans. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's cool. But I like no, you guys would get along very well. He's he's awesome. But uh, Tover, if you're listening, I got a, I got a little special song for you. <laughs> Can you remix this? Yeah, yeah. You wanna, yeah, we should put this on the album. I think. Yeah, on side B. We should do a Plus. EDM remix. Yeah. Well, listen. Where do you go I think <laughs> we've pretty much. Done everything. We've said everything we can say. We, we've do you never... think that Ryan Adams will listen to this podcast? I think if he's a fan of you and he stumbles across it, <laughs> I don't think this will come up in his feed, his RSS feed or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but no, I don't think so. Okay. That would be cool if he did. He may. Yeah. He may be a Jillian. Have you spoken to him since you... Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk on Twitter a lot. Does He's that, awesome. By the way, you watch Wild Wild Country? Yes, I did. Holy Well, I'm not crap. done yet. Oh, you're not done? I'm not, I'm not done anymore. yet. What episode are you on? 
uh, we are on. We're how many? Isn't there like um, it's one season, six episodes? Okay, so we're I think we're on like the fourth. Oh. We have two more to go. <laughs> so what's her name? Just left. Yeah, Sheila. Sheila left, which yeah. I thought was so kind of abrupt and weird. I was like, where are you going? Why? Which is why I liked it because very Game of Thronesy, where you don't know <laughs> what's going to happen, and then you go, oh, I can expect anything yep. because it's not falling into the timeline of what normally happens. Right. Is there like something mass suicidal going to happen? Like- I'm not going to tell you about it, but what was craziest to me, by the way, Wild Wild Country is a show on Netflix. It's a documentary series. Yes. I it can't it happened, this happened in Oregon where this cult. They bought like 80,000 acres of land, yeah. 100 square miles. When you start to wrap your yeah. head around that, oh yeah, that's driving two hours. They own all of that. Going their own seven- airport, yeah. So, and they put a call up there. Yeah. And I can't believe I didn't know the story. Like, Me either. I'm really interested. Have you read the book Sapiens? No. Oh, man. It's not about cults, but it's about humans. And okay. I'm, Should I read it? I'm into it, and I think you'd really like it. Yeah, I'll read it. Yeah. No, this is the best documentary I've seen in a long but time. But it's great, yep. Yeah. It's great, cause, yeah. and also I didn't know. I yeah. thought I knew everything about like big crazy things in our history. I in the know. Past Thirty. Years. It almost seems like someone like got it massively covered up after the fact. It's like they did it without me, without and me, just got got cleared it of everything. For all of you listening, I I'm bright red, <laughs> and I wish he would stop playing this song. Okay, okay, okay. Um, well, listen. <laughs> oh my god. This has been a good talk. No. I like to end it on. I that. hate that you played that. <laughs> But really, it's kind of fun, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Whatever. Uh, have, have you had fun? I had so much fun. Yeah, I could do this for 10 more hours, but then you'd be like, get out of my house. That's true. I would. You, you'd <laughs> want all the water, and you've taken all the water. <laughs> Jillian Jacqueline, listen to Side A, or if it's you know months and months later, just check her out, see what she's got up. Yes. Uh, see her live. I've uh, watched her live many times. Fantastic artist, and thanks for coming over the house. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Yeah. All right, Jillian Jacqueline, and we'll see you next time, everybody.